Back to Crestor, purposeful life driven by endurance. I'm Dan. I'm joined here by Pat. You want to say hi, Pat? Hello, everyone. And we're here with episode seven after a three-week break. And uh, I promise we're not trying to make a, a habit out of uh, <laughs> releasing these. Uh, you know, after two or three weeks, we're really trying to stay uh, weekly episodic uh, format. But um, but we had a crazy week, as we're going to talk about. And some cool stuff to uh, to, to kind of catch everybody back uh, up on um, after the boat. So we were at the aircraft carrier, um, the Ford, the brand new uh, aircraft carrier of the new class, Ford class. And we got to uh, help some students carrier qualify and get to the fleet, which is really yeah. awesome. Absolutely. Um, we're going to save the boat for later on to talk about in the episode so uh we're gonna start out with just our weekly wrap-up or i should say three-week wrap-up and uh <laughs> with that i'll pass it over to you pat yeah um thank you dan so uh the last three weeks have been good um i was able to get my 5k test in and um it went well it was you know the weather rolled in nice fall um beautiful morning crisp <laughs> funny enough though i thought it was an eight o'clock start well it's an eight thirty start <laughs> and uh so it didn't go completely um as planned beginning wise in regards to like you know trying to hit my windows of starting my two mile warm-up and doing my drills and then i get to the start line and i realize it's 30 minutes until the start <laughs> oh no so yeah that was a that was a little bit of a blooper on my side um, so I just went back to my truck and I, uh, kept rolling out and tried to keep warm and it actually ended up working out. So, uh, my previous PR on a 5k, according to, um, Strava and like Garmin connect, I think it was about a 1720. And, uh, after the race, which the race was a little long, um, most people on their watches record about a 13.16 to 13.17, which anyone uh, that hasn't run a 5K, um, 5,000 kilometers is equal to 3.1 miles. And uh, You're saying 13, one, you mean 3.16? Yeah, 3.16. Sorry, did I say 13.1? Or I misheard it. <laughs> Either way. Yeah, yeah no, there's so a chance. 3.12 yeah. for a 5K, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's a little long. That sucks. Yeah, it was a little long, but that's okay. The watch was able to like kind of record that, and um, I went into my Strava app, and I looked at what my new 5K PR was, and uh, I went about 17.02, which is about a 5.29 minute mile. Holy cow. That's awesome. Yeah. It was, uh, it was really cool. Um, and, uh, you know, like... The fact I've just been doing anaerobic training, um, 
I don't know. There's something to say about that zone too. And, uh, just really focusing on that. My road running stride is certainly starting to come back. Um, less of my like ultra shuffle. My knees are you know, <laughs> starting to rise up and there is a little bit of, you know, my race weight is, I'm starting to get closer to that. So I'm a little bit lighter, a little bit more efficient. And, uh, yeah. What is your race the, weight? What do you race at? Um, I think I'm a little bit leaner than I was last fall when I ran Richmond. So I think I'll probably be around like 157 okay. race weight for, um, this November. And, uh, yeah, I can just like feel myself like just kind of popping as I yep. keep, uh, keep running. I, uh, <laughs> I gave the analogy um, the other day or metaphor to my coach where I felt like Forrest Gump in the scene when he's a kid, when I'm going from my like ultra stride to my road running stride, where breaking off the you know, shackles their braces are just breaking <laughs> off as I, and I'm like, whoa, this is great. Um, so, and I kind of went in with a race strategy. Um, my coach was, what he told me to do was the first mile, um, be a bit conservative. So, um, what you'll find is at the beginning of the race, you'll go out and you'll look down at your watch and you're going much faster than you should have. And he said at about 400 yards in or 400 meters, look at your watch and slow down. So I did that. <laughs> um, and there was two people in front of me that are kind of chasing. And, uh, I, didn't try to chase them down the first mile. Um, I just try to keep them, you know, within view. And uh, first mile came through, and then felt good. Um, second mile, the second mile was, you know, just pick it up a little bit. And what you're trying to do then on the second mile is try to close the gap of the guy in front of you, or gal, or whichever runner is in front of you. Um, and I, I at least kept the distance between the gentleman in front of me relatively same, if not close the gap a little. And then mile three, um, what my coach had told me to do, and it actually worked really well, was focus on your step count. So your hmm. you know, strikes per minute um, and keep that cadence high. Because uh, you'll see when your legs start to get tired, you actually start to um, slow up with your your um, your tempo. Meaning, you know, if your feet hit 170 times in the course of a minute, as you start to get fatigued, that number will go get lower. So I really tried to focus on, you know. Um, I would just count like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And, you know, it allowed me to get far enough in the race um, where there's this, like, sweet spot. And I don't know exactly what it is distance-wise, but you can, like, kind of feel the finish line. And then you mm -hmm. just stop thinking about the pain and you just see the finish line and you, you like, stride opens up a little bit more and you go faster. Um, so it was, it was great. Uh, I was, I mean, the fact I PR'd and 
my life 5k was pretty gnarly and I would say my favorite fact is first place was a 40 year old and second place was a 51 year old and they crushed me (laughs) which uh you know it's just something to look forward to uh yeah yeah the why is just spreading humility yeah (laughs) I love that yeah yeah Um, endurance sports are are really great life lifelong sports and people people are always blown away at the fact that you know the year after year the world champions of you know iron man and and you know the hurt 100 and you know all these all these crazy races are generally like people who are a touch older and uh yeah and i think a lot of that has to do with um a you know building up that fitness over years and years um and strengthening your body um but also having the wisdom um and the discipline i guess to stick to a schedule and uh, yeah be very true to, to kind of following through for your goals and stuff i don't know i i think the advantage is is uh, kind of in the corner of the people who are in their fourth decade or so yeah yeah no i couldn't agree more um and you know not only was it inspirational the fact of you know the age of the competitors in which i got beat by but one of them um the gentleman actually has ms and and you know to help him run he pushes a stroller like a children's running stroller and it's incredible this guy is like pring his 5ks 10ks half marathons um he just went 117 on a half marathon today whoa down at the great dismal swamp um we're in like the Virginia Beach Norfolk area and there was supposed to be the crab and crawl half today. Um, but unfortunately due to uh, what was left over from Hurricane Ian, the, you know, for the safety of the runners, they canceled the event. And then there was an unofficial uh, 13.1 mile race down on the Dismal Swamp, which they just turned into a bike path slash running path. It's super flat so if you're trying to go out there and do some like strength and speed work it's a great and i saw just before uh, we started recording this on strava he went like 117 something freaking amazing so hopefully we can get him on the podcast one day and uh you know that talk about inspirational um yeah that's incredible yeah so yeah but anything else from your last couple weeks um yeah, I, I I don't know if I talked about it one day, but, you know, my marathon block building up to Houston in 2016, there was a day in which I just had, like, a really good run. I was, like, aerobic run just going, and, you know, I looked at my watch, and it just started clicking. And then yeah. after I looked at my heart rate, well, I kind of had one uh, in the last three weeks. And uh, I went out and... I think it was it was like a nine mile it was like eight or nine mile run and I was it was like right as the weather started to drop and I did like a 719 
average with like a 138 heart rate and that was cool man um that was you know it's like kind of trusting the process because training out here in like southeastern virginia in the summer is like (laughs) it's really tough because struggle man it is and like your paces are so slow but you just have to you know understand that as that good weather starts to come in the paces will drop as the heart rate stays the same um so yeah that that was that was super solid and then uh i'm doing a little bit of you know course correction with possibly uh some living arrangements which i uh <laughs> I, I won't spill the beans right now exactly but you know if or when it takes place i'll uh you know stay tuned and I'll, I'll fill everyone in so um yeah how about yourself dan yeah we'll be uh excited to to hear if, if that stuff progresses and and to get some spoilers for for that um, <laughs> <laughs> dude things have been good i um <clears throat> i'm actually uh a couple days into a kind of recovery um band of days where i i think it was on on thursday i did a, a really good like 3500 meter swim or so um i felt so good but then as i got out i just i felt like really uncharacteristically uh fatigued yeah and and i was like you know okay well i'll just kind of keep checking in with myself see see what's going on and i got home and i think i had a like a 40 mile bike that afternoon or something and i I was starting to set up um all my stuff for my uh bike sim thing in my living room and i was like you know i i really don't feel well um not like i'm straight up sick but like uh, i think my body's you know was fighting some uh some sickness left over from the boat um generally boat crud generally every time you go to the boat you get you know the boat crud which is uh some concoction of of illness that is cooked up amongst the <laughs> thousands of sailors on board but um but i'm so i'm pretty sure that's what happened and and as a result i i canceled that that bike ride and then i i took uh i took a couple of days off just to kind of recoup and just as we're always talking about you can always dial it back in training but if you uh if you end up breaking the bank and hurting yourself, uh, it's a lot harder to to get back from that. Which is, uh, I, I'm I'm totally fine with it because I uh, yeah I had a really tough uh, week up until Thursday um, with workouts and stuff. So so I definitely got my work in this week. Um, but uh, but yeah, let's see workout. I'd say my favorite workout of the past couple weeks was having been stuck on the boat uh for a couple days i didn't i didn't take my freaking gym stuff because i was an idiot uh you should have just told me i would have flown it i would have flown it out to you man i know i should have um but but i was like "Ah, i'm not gonna take my my shoes or anything because i i planned it all my mileage around the boat and i got all my key workouts in before the boat you know and then um and had my stuff planned for when i got back but i um got stuck on the boat for several more days than I was expecting. And, uh, and anyway, when I finally got off, I, uh, I did this, this really 
really good long run that was uh, ended up being 16 miles and um, the longest run of my uh, my training so far and that was just a huge success just um, I think I averaged like an 845 for 16 which is yeah. like slightly faster than I've been averaging for like like 10 to 12 mile runs so oh, yeah. just like you're talking about you know with the weather um, that's definitely part of it but I think some of it as well was um, having a couple of days off and uh, and just being in some pretty good shape at this point uh, but during that during that run I I was probably like around mile 13 or 14 out of the 16 yeah. and I was starting to fatigue like you're talking about my cadence was dropping I was getting um, tired as you know two hours into the run or whatever and um, and I saw this billboard for some play I think that was uh, coming to the Chrysler Museum or the, the Chrysler uh, concert hall whatever hall? it's called Cross C- hall is it Chrysler Hall Chrysler Hall yeah whatever the local Maybe. uh local yeah. like, theater place we obviously go and, there uh, a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh so I, I saw it and i was like oh that sweet i wonder what what that is um might have to go see that and as I'm, I'm getting closer i'm looking up at the billboard i'm not looking in front of me and there's this cable that attaches to a telephone pole um that that's just like hanging almost vertically just in the middle of the sidewalk and it's kind of slack um, and I just I run know. straight into it and, uh, it basically just like, just clothesline throws you? me on the ground. Yeah. It's like a vertical clothesline just threw me on the ground because it's like a steel cable. Um, and, oh my God. and it like wrapped, I it like kind of impacted straight up my body and then on the left side of my neck and it like whiplashed my head around. The really good thing is that I was incredibly relaxed and, um, and as it it happened i didn't i didn't like tense up or anything i was just like i'm only going you know nine minute mile running into this thing you know it's not gonna be the end of the world and i just kind of (laughs) like made sure i didn't hit my head when i landed and kind of landed as gracefully as i could and uh i was like i might be very hurt (laughs) and uh because i did hit it pretty hard but uh but i i was okay and uh and then I, I, you know, finished my last couple of miles and it's like, well, it's time to go back to the boat. <laughs> I, I actually had <laughs> taken a, a small uh, reprieve. I flew off of the boat the night before and then was going back out again. So I knocked out my 60 miles and then hopped back in the plane with uh, uh, Boomer and Poochie, I think it was. Uh, and Andrew. went back for a night trap. When so you were fun. on the boat, when you were on the boat, were you able to record some of your sleep from your whoop app or was it i was although oh wow yeah so um for some reason so i I think i stayed four nights on board okay um and i got three three of the nights were recorded but it was basically useless because the the way that whoop calculates your your different phases of sleep and everything um I, I don't think it's coded to account for ship movement. <laughs> and so, uh, oh. it, it was like totally whack. Um, and like did not match at all what I was, you know, sleeping because it, it thought that I was waking up all these times and when I wasn't and like, that's you know, interesting. Anyway. 
but hey, was, that's something they could you know try to figure out. Yeah, I, I doubt I they've mean, got a lot of uh, sailors passing them data like that. <laughs> yeah, hey, you hear that, that guys? We, we can help you guys out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was fascinating, you know, not having any cell reception for, you know, four days, and but that, you know, whoop storing all the the data for for four days. I wasn't sure if that how that would work. Yeah, yeah that's cool. And that's then, sick, man. Uh, let's see what else. So grad school, grad school's in full swing now. Um, <laughs> I'm just uh, taking a single class this semester, a linear algebra class, and um, and that's going really well. I just had my first test. Uh, I was fat. I was How'd telling you, you earlier, I, I did well. I I got a 90, um, which I was kind of hacked off. I you know want to want to do better than that, but the average was a 78, and uh, I figured a 90 is not too bad. If the average yeah. is seventy eight, so um, I can I've got room for improvement, but I can't be too hard on myself, I guess. Don't we um, all? Yeah, but uh, the craziest thing was we, you know, I was going to be on on the boat for, you know, I I didn't know how long, and and I I have a week long to to do the test, but um, basically I just had to rush and do it on Monday because I, you know, it expired on Sunday, and I ended up we finished the boat Sunday night, so I wouldn't have had time to take the test. So that would have been super stressful. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, that was cool to have that first test knocked out. That that's going really well. Um, I started playing this new uh, video game called grounded that I'm really enjoying. It's, uh, <laughs> it's like this survival game that is basically like honey. I shrunk the kids. If you remember that from yeah, we absolutely. that movie came out. Yeah. Um, yeah. You basically, you, you play like this, you know, shrunken down like teenager um, who's in, in their backyard and yeah. um, you have to like survive. So you're like making houses out of like, you know, blades of grass and stuff and, and going around uh, like fighting ladybugs that are like yeah. the size of like rhinos basically because <laughs> you're so small. It's just a lot of fun. So like a survival sandbox game, kind of like Minecraft or something like that. Um, and then I guess the last thing was I had a glorious massage this morning, a two-hour massage, and uh, almost 45 minutes of that was spent on my neck from from my uh, snafu last week on the run. So um, <laughs> I feel so much better after uh, yeah. getting all all fixed from that massage. I was actually, you talked about the 5K. I was supposed to do that 5K with you. I had some personal stuff come up, and I was unfortunately not able to. But um, I'm not sure if I'm going to have a chance to do a like a benchmark test now before the race because I've got, I think, seven weeks to go for my race. Um, yeah. And I think I'm just going to work on like loading up mileage. I don't think I'm going to worry about any speed tests because at this point I'm just kind of worried about getting injured. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you want, there's a 10k I'm doing in two weeks. So nice. That's my that's <laughs> my last benchmark. My yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I I forgot to mention um, that week of you know taking the students out to the carrier. I was still getting my volume in, but I was also flying for you know I was in the cockpit each day for upwards of seven hours. I would say yeah. at least maybe eight 
And over the course of that week, and I did my due diligence in regards to ensuring to do my like warm ups and my, uh, you know, my um, specific exercises, running exercises that my coach has me do, drills, which takes about 20 to 25 minutes before I even run. But I could slowly start feeling my IT bands just getting tighter and tighter throughout the week because you're just sitting in that plane and these seats are, you know, they're, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Terribly uncomfortable. Yes, exactly. Um, (laughs) So I had a, um, I had a run on Friday and I got, I finished up and the top right of my calf was just like talking to me a little. So I took off Saturday, which was two Saturdays ago, did yoga, um, loosened it up, had my tennis ball, which I was doing some calf crushes, which were calf crushes, which were very good. Um, lots of pain, but lots of release and, uh, um, it, you know, and I got back to it on Sunday, good run Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday I had a 90 minute massage and, uh, I kind of stepped up, did some more yoga and, um, was thankful enough that one of our coworkers wife is certified in dry needling and I, uh, got some dry needling on my calf, which by the way, I've never done dry needling on my, on my calf before. It's really painful. Um, <laughs> and totally plan on at least taking the next day off, uh, because I got it Friday after my run and I was supposed to do 15 on Saturday, yesterday, today's Sunday. Uh, well, that didn't happen. So I did some <laughs> yoga, got on the spin bike, but right now as I'm sitting here recording, my IT bands are just nice and loose and I felt great. I, I mean, I missed probably 25 miles of my running over the course of the last two weeks. But if I were to run those 25 miles, I'd probably be really tight right now and somewhat yep. uncomfortable sitting here recording. So, uh, yeah, I honestly, yeah. I think doing this recording, uh, doing the podcast has um, made myself be more accountable and not push it. Yeah. yeah. Would you say the same? Yeah, for sure. There's, yeah. there's a little more um, awareness, I, I would say, to, to just... Uh, the way that I structure, uh, my, my workouts and, and then basically like the equivalent of, you know, when we, when we go flying, you know, we, we look at myriad, you know, different things like the, the weather and the notums, the notice to airmen that might close the field down for some reason, or, or, you know, a certain taxiway might be closed, you know, or we look at the, the, the book for the aircraft to see what's broken on the aircraft, what has been broken recently that maybe would break again, you know, yeah. um, kind of the, the similar thing to like, let's say weather, you, you see the weather and it's like maybe a little bit skosh. You could probably, yeah. you know, go flying, but maybe not the best idea. Like it's kind of the equivalent of that for working out. It's like, yeah. Or the top of flying you, know, you could do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like on, on Thursday when I did my, my swim, and was like, oh no, like I'm a little more fatigued than I should be. Like, you know, what's going on? 
and then that's the equivalent of seeing like that that cell pop up and being like eh, maybe we don't go flying or yeah. maybe maybe we stay local in the pattern and uh, and like like you did with your yoga and you know spinning out on the bike like yeah i love that ca- that's kind of uh, kind of the same thing <laughs> yeah but yeah it makes uh, me a little that, more aware i'd say yeah that's good stuff i yeah very cool <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Uh, the only other thing I would say about our wrap up is um, you mentioned Hurricane Ian um, having come through. It it uh, it certainly dumped a lot of rain on us on what was that Friday? It was Friday. Yeah, I think Friday was the really bad uh, night of rain uh, or whole day of rain, I guess. But um, but we've kind of we're being told to brace for like an incoming flood um, tomorrow afternoon. It's supposed to get pretty bad. Oh wow! Um, yeah, it's supposed to rain all yeah. day tomorrow. I know. Yeah, and I think the uh, the tide. They said uh, they're expecting um, tide levels uh, that haven't been seen since uh, Hurricane in 2012. You know, a decade ago. So, uh, so tomorrow, uh, you're gonna have to be be on the lookout for. Uh, we both live, uh, you know, downtown at pretty low low areas. I mean, the whole all of Melbourne oh, yeah. is pretty low, but. <laughs> but yeah, I'll be honest water, when so. I drove over to your place today just before this that road which is called Llewellyn yep. was completely capped over like oh yeah it was probably at least a foot to, and you know some hero in their sedan tried to drive through it and they probably just sucked it up into their engine and that's really good people if oh, you yeah. see water drive around it please it's yeah uh, it's not good for your engines it is not not good your engine doesn't breathe water <laughs> yeah and I think high tide is like one o'clock, right? So it's, I think so, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, well, tomorrow I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can get stuff knocked out in the morning, and then hopefully get home so I can uh, figure out what's going on with the the weather before it rolls in. Yeah, I wonder if work is gonna interesting. Yeah, I mean, a lot of base is probably gonna be flooded. Oh yeah. I don't know. Oh. It's gonna be interesting. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but with that said, you know our thoughts and prayers go out to everybody who has been affected by Ian. Yeah. I know um, we've been very lucky in our location uh, and uh, some folks down in, I know Florida got hit pretty bad. Um, yeah. That West coast. So, uh, yep. Yep. So I uh, definitely hope everybody's doing okay with that. And with that, I think that's a good weekly wrap up for us. Um, before we move on, we want to thank our sponsors and all you guys following us. Um, our, crustaceans if you will <laughs> uh an inside joke from patty and i about um crusters and uh and crustacean is definitely not a crester but but it sounds close enough <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um thank you guys uh and uh, again we're so sorry for uh taking so long it's been absolute chaos with uh between our debt up to wallops and then uh, and then going out on the ford um we appreciate y'all's patience with us uh in the uh the pretty volatile schedule of uh, releasing uh, episodes here yeah. and uh and with that we'll jump into our big topic of the week which we've kind of danced around a little bit but um <laughs> yeah just gonna a little kinda, <laughs> we're gonna dig into um and go into some more depth about um, our time on the boat and all the chaos that uh, ensued so uh yeah we we went on the the ford the the gerald ford is the newest aircraft carrier in the fleet and and it's it's still working through some growing pains and it was 
it was uh, a little bit painful working through a a full week long carry qualification. Uh, normally, it's just two to four days, depending on weather and, and stuff. But uh, but basically, just a number of delays, including um, it wasn't Ian. What, what was the hurricane that was uh, affecting us prior to that? Uh, oh, it's the one that hit up at uh, Nova Scotia, right? And that's like, right. It it uh, veered off and stayed stayed in the Atlantic and just kind of head north. But but it certainly screwed up the sea states for us a bit. Uh, out. It out either started with an H or an I, probably, because it should be well, an alphabetical, right? Well, this one was yeah, Ian, so, so it was an H, right? Helen. I don't know. Was it Helen? Well, wow. or was it a G? sorry, people. Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, I'm sure everybody's yeah, so it, thing it brought some good. Yeah, everyone's like, "You guys, come on!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, weren't that, we? That, we were pretty concerned about the the sea state, right? Yeah, which um, props to the the surface warfare officers driving the the boat um, aircraft carrier. They they were able to find us some uh some nice sea states very very close to shore um which yeah. is a pretty non-standard thing but they were able to make it happen yeah. so we could continue operations because it was expected to go up to like 10 to 18 or 12 to 18 foot seas um which would have basically stopped us from uh operating with at least cat one or category one uh student cq or carrier qualification yeah. um it's just when you're trying to teach these students how to land land these these planes on the boat you you don't want to turn it on hard mode any more yeah. so than it already is um yeah it's already incredibly difficult you don't want to have the boat rocking in 18 foot seas yeah pretty but much yeah. if you imagine um, a seesaw that's what the boat becomes when the sea when the states are that high where the front yeah. of the boat goes up and then the back of the boat comes up and then it just keeps seesawing back and forth and uh you can see it can get to a certain point where you can actually see the props, the screws of the ship. Um, yeah, so, yeah kudos to the swos out there that found some nice calm waters. I remember that day distinctly because I was overhead the ship and you could actually see Hatteras, like the outer banks. Oh, really? Yeah, and you can get <laughs> cell reception on your phones when you're airborne because you're so close to the shore. Um, yep. Yeah. We actually yeah. we had cell reception on the carrier as well. Um, oh wow yeah that's pretty gnarly yeah and so um so yeah we we took out uh a very large group of students um to uh do the, their initial carrier qualification in the e2 or c2 aircraft uh, depending on their track but um went out on the ford uh it's been about seven days and uh during that seven days i primarily was was waving or or uh, doing landing signals officer's duty. So I was standing on this platform uh, yeah. that's kind of at the back of the ship, kind of set off to the side <laughs> uh, next to the, the landing area so I could, you know, help help planes recover. Uh, and then we're grading the students, helping them out. Uh, yeah, the angels then, in white. <laughs> the angels in white. We're a very, very <laughs> humble, humble crowd. <laughs> very much so. You really can't pick yeah. them out at all when they're walking around the ship. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're the ones walking around with sunglasses on and, and a yeah. tan when everybody else is, all the the people who work on the ship haven't seen the sun yeah. in 
you know, weeks. <laughs> yeah, plenty of vitamin D if you're in LSO. Yeah, which is uh, <laughs> one of the best parts about the job. But um, but yeah, it was yeah. it was some grueling days. We we uh, we stand up there. Obviously, uh, anytime the planes are landing, we're up there. Which during carrier qualifications, there's nothing efficient efficient about that process, even best case yeah. scenario. So um, there's there's a lot of time on your feet uh, during those days. So generally probably i don't know 10 10 hours or so maybe not quite oh, yeah. maybe eight hours of uh of standing up there um recovering the aircraft uh, and during that during all that stuff um patty was in an aircraft he was an aircraft commander for um uh, one of the cods and uh, helping the students qualify so he yeah. got to do a lot of flying a lot of time in the, the plane as he talked about with the tight it bands <laughs> Yeah, it was, How's it that was experience? fun. It's awesome. Um, I mean, just to give a little background into how much training these students have done, they're probably from the first time they flew a naval aircraft to blending behind the back of the aircraft carrier is probably about two and a half years. Right. Um, and we should we should mention that they this is the second aircraft that they've landed at the aircraft on, carrier. Yeah. Um, the first one is the T-45 Goshawk. Um, we all, all pilots learn how to, um, land in that if they're going down the tail hook path. So prior yeah. to, um, moving on to, to your actual fleet aircraft, you, you basically learn how to, to land a little race car jet, um, yeah. on the aircraft carrier, but it's so much easier yeah. than the Hawkeye or the Cod. It's so much easier, but at the same time, it still blows my mind that we're completely by ourselves in that jet when we do it. Yeah, true. Yeah, the first time, but first time being at the carrier, being alone in, in the jet was definitely a pretty uh, momentous experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, by this time, it's been probably at least two and a half years um, since they started flight school, and, and those are the quick ones. I, yeah, yeah. Sometimes three, yeah. if not three and a half years, just based off of um, certain delays that are uncontrollable for the students themselves. But uh, I, you know, that first trap is is kind of what sets the tone for how that day will go with the student. And you know, um, as an instructor one of my goals is to make the cockpit like as relaxed as possible um, and just, you know, provide a sense of positivity and, uh, you know, instill this confidence that and remind them of like what it took to get to where they are and that everything they need is already there and let's just execute. Um, yeah. And it's so cool. Like their first traps, they're, they completely go blank. They have no idea what's going on <laughs> and they trap and they stop and you have to put the plane in reverse and they're just like holding death gripping the, the, uh, yeah. the, um, the throttles and you're like, all right, bud, like put it in reverse now. Like we're on yeah. the carrier. It's okay. And then you like we, hear we, a sigh of relief. <laughs> yeah. We, and we then, talk about, know. we talk about getting behind the aircraft, metaphorically speaking, um, where 
where you're you're just you're so task saturated that you you can't really quite you know analyze new information coming in and you're you're kind of working on brainstem power and so we we joke about you know you're you're not actually in the cockpit you're hanging off of the tail of the aircraft (laughs) because you're so far behind like you know and so when the student's sitting there in the wires like you know and there's a bunch of stuff that you need to do in quick rapid succession then they're just kind of sitting there like trying to catch up to (laughs) that moment in time yeah it's uh every time it cracks me up um yeah, and then just seeing them continue to progress and have more and more confidence each pass. And then, you know, um, when they do their last pass, so typically it's two touch and goes and 10 traps. Uh, it's, it's, this moment always gives me chills, but um, like Dan, he's an LSO. The, one of the head LSOs will go over the radio and they'll call out the side number. And so, for example, one of the planes I flew out was 632. And, um, what you'll hear is six, three, two paddles, meaning, um, paddles would like to talk to the student and the, you as the instructor, because you've lived this moment, uh, a couple of times, you, you know, it's about to come. So, <laughs> you, you know, you yourself as an instructor, like kind of peek over to, you know, see the amount of excitement or just relief that's about to instill in their face. And uh, they go, welcome to the fleet. And it is just so cool. It, it's such a small moment, but yeah. the magnitude of that moment is so large, you know? Maybe not small, but and, short in period of time. Yeah. And that's that's kind of, uh, that's an interesting, a special thing because normally professionalism when it comes to uh, radio communications or comms is yeah. absolutely paramount, especially around the carrier Yep. There's no, there's no joking around. You, you, you only make calls that you need to make. It's a very serious business, but, um, but that's the one time we, we break from that is, uh, congratulating students on their their qualifications. Um, when we, we go out over, over button one or, um, you know, whatever we're on for the recovery and, uh, and tell them that, that they, they qualified and and that's like a, an okay thing for us to do over the radio. It's really special. Yeah. yeah, it was um it was so much fun. And then speaking of like radio communications, um so typically we have for the C2 itself we only have two radios. Uh, we have our primary and our secondary. Um the E2, I think you guys have six, right? Yep, six uh yeah. normal radios, yeah. Um yeah, normal radios, I should say. Well, in the secondary um frequency radio we have what's called tac um and it's it's tactical frequency yeah tactical frequency which is kind of dedicated for the instructors to talk to each other and i would say you know as the week goes on fatigue certainly sets in and we have um systems on the carrier that can kind of give you call outs of other aircraft in the vicinity. But once you're pretty much overhead, the aircraft aircraft carrier, it's your eyes and ears that are doing most of the mitigation of other planes. And just hearing the different instructors or all of us instructors that were airborne coordinating with each other and telling each other where they are in time and space it was, I don't know. It was, it was so cool to hear. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
You know what it's I mean? A, it's a yeah. Oh yeah. Daytime is, is an incredibly dangerous environment because it's it's yeah. truly the wild west. And there's yeah. definitely some more safeguards in place during the carrier qualifications, but you know when you're on cruise and there's 25 or 30 planes yeah. looping overhead, mom as we call we call it aircraft carrier mom, um, and then uh, everybody recovers without saying a word. Uh, it's called zip lip where everything just uh, everybody basically collapses the deck down and collapses. Uh, collapses and sack, everything's sorry. done with the. Uh, with the lights the landing signals officers will will flash cut lights they're called that that basically tells the plane that hey we we got you like there's no need to make a ball call you're in a good spot to recover and then if they need to wave them off just clicking the wave off lights uh, without the need for any comms so just having all those people just kind of funnel down is absolutely incredible um, we've got some more safeguards during care of qualification however we've got students who you know have been around the carrier for about five minutes in their life and uh, it's pretty <laughs> unsafe by its nature <laughs> yeah yeah so that was cool and then yep. you know once it all wraps up we do uh do you have any i was gonna talk about the patching party uh the origins oh, yeah. of I, that. I was just gonna say we we were talking about qualifications uh you mentioned for the cod students uh two touch and goes uh 10 traps yeah um for the, you know, obviously that's all daytime for the COD. For the, the E2, the Hawkeye uh, students, they've got night traps as well. So so they also have the, the two touch and goes during the day, um, 10 traps during the day. But then they also have two touch and goes at night and um, six traps at night. And then if the students are going straight out to the fleet, um, meaning they're going to meet uh, a squadron like on, on cruise, who's like currently uh, doing boat operations, then they have to be priority alpha or pri A as we call it, where you bump up their numbers. So they have to have better grades and they have to have a couple extra traps. So they have to do um, 12 day traps and eight night traps um, instead of the, the 10 and six respectively. But, um, and then you can, you can never do more than 10 traps a day. So, so at a minimum, you've got a, um, a two day problem as we like to call it to it's going to take at least two days to get students, you know, these what 16 traps and uh, four touch and goes for the E2 students and 10 traps and uh, two touch and goes for the COD students. But, but yeah, I just wanted to briefly mention what the students are required to do. Yeah. And on top of that, um, those night traps, I've never done them, but I heard they're extremely scary and, you know, there's there's a, a lot of pride on the boat, and you know, you you have a, you have grades, and you compare them amongst all the other pilots. Hands down, the best pilots on the boat are the E2 pilots, because yeah. landing behind that boat manually at day, which is my only perspective, is extremely hard. But doing it at night is just a whole nother. It's a whole nother level. Yeah. Um, I, I got to do my requalification or. Um it's not a requalification, but it's currency. I basically just like regained my currency by, I did uh, two touch and goes, two day traps and then two night traps. And, uh, and so I'm back a current, uh, you know, around the boat again. And I can confirm that night traps still suck. <laughs> they're, still, they're still terrible. How would you, how would you describe a night trap compared to a day trap or like, 
Is there anything? So, yeah. So like, geometrically, they're very different. Um, for the listeners, like during the day, we 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 fly the pattern. So we we talked about it being like the Wild West. We um, we're flying overhead the ship, and we kind of handle it ourselves. We you come in for the break, meaning you go really fast, um, straight overhead mom, and then you you do a break turn, which is turning really hard to the left, where you dissipate a bunch of your energy to send down a pattern altitude drop your gear and flaps, et cetera, hook, and then you, you kind of spiral down and, and kind of simulate what a normal aircraft to do it at the, the field, just over water, landing at the ship. At night, we don't do that. What we do is, it, in bad weather, is uh, the same thing as if night. Um, you, you're basically talking to a controller, an, an air traffic controller, effectively, who's uh, on the ship, and they, they basically drive you in as a straight end, and then you intercept an instrument landing system, ILS needles, the equivalent for the boat is called ACLS, and, uh, and you fly those needles in like you're flying an instrument approach until you get to three quarters of a mile, at which point you transition to uh, an outside scan. Yeah. Um, and you fly as if you're, you're in the final portion of the day trap, um, but all you have is the, you know, the, the runway lights uh, on those dark nights, if it's a bright moon and you can see the the water and stuff, um, that creates its own unique challenges as well. Uh, they call it a bolter moon because uh, if the uh, if the moon's very bright, then it it highlights the the deck, and so you can see see the deck runway rush. basically, and it gives you this illusion, and it you know makes you feel like it's kind of rushing up a deck rush they call it, rushing yeah. up to meet you, and so it makes you want to add a little too much power which makes you go long miss the wires and then have to go around which is called a bolter so they call that yeah. bolter moon um, yeah but more commonly it is pitch black <laughs> or, or the the moon's out but there's cloud cover so it might as well be zero illumination and it truly looks like you are just like flying in this black void where you can't see the the water you can't see the sky like there's no difference so it, you just feel like you're in this this void of nothingness and there's just this suspended set of lights that you have to land on and it is it can be absolutely horrifying especially bad sea states um and you've got the boat dutch rolling or rocking uh fore and aft and uh oh man it's challenging yeah that's awesome yep but we had we had students get to do that for the first time. Those those poor poor people. <laughs> <laughs> my my legs would just uncontrollably shake for my first probably three or four uh, night traps before I, you know, figured out that I wasn't gonna die. <laughs> it certainly feels like you're going to. <laughs> oh, I should be laughing, but I am. Um, no, dude, oh, it's. Man. It's fun. But yeah, um, you said you were going to talk about the patching party. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> once, once all the students finish up and they get that call from paddles, like, Hey, congrats, you're a call. Welcome to the fleet. Um, we then all get together, you know, the instructors and the students and the LSOs will, um, we do like kind of a private event and, um, all get together have some drinks and some food and announce where the students will be going. And just before that, uh, the week 
kind of leading up to it, um, they give their dream sheets and, you know, some, sometimes they'll write like an explanation of like why they want to go to this specific squadron or why they want to go to this certain coast. And, uh, those can be actually pretty funny. Um, yep. I remember for myself and, you know, I, uh, at the time had pretty much lived on the East coast my whole life. Um, I spent some time in the Gulf coast, Florida and Texas, but I'd never been out to the West coast. <laughs> and, uh, I put VRC 30 and I go, well, I'm, I think I was what, probably 26. I was like, I'm a single 26 year old male that's lived on the East coast my whole life. I'd really like to adventure the West coast. <laughs> um, yep. and yeah, some of these kids can be relatively creative. I'm not very creative, but, um, yeah, so they, they, they put up these dream sheets and, you know, it shows on the sheet what is available in regards to where the students can go for the certain squadrons. Um, what are the, uh, and then, sorry, sorry, to interrupt you for a second here. One yeah, of the, the dream sheets this time, this time around, uh, one of the students said that, um, you know, he wanted to stay, stay here on the East coast in Norfolk. And, uh, one of the, the reasons he had behind wanting to stay was that his, uh, his dog was in a serious relationship and <laughs> break the dog's heart to, to move away. <laughs> I love that. That is amazing. Which is obviously a joke, but. Oh, oh man. yeah. <laughs> Did it work? Do you know if he stayed East? Yep. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah, once all that data is taken <laughs> in, um, and then we look at the kids kind of GPA and boarding rate, which, um, Boarding rate is based off of, you know, every time they went around to come for a trap, if they caught the wire, um, if they missed yeah, the wire, if you bolt then, through, like we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we take all that kind of in consideration and then paddles will announce where each kid is going and what the next three to four years is going to uh, consist of for that, for that student. And, you know, start really earning their paycheck being operational and standing a lot of duty and doing all their collateral billets that they've, you know, pretty much had to focus on themselves for the last two and a half years. So they're, they're, they're yeah. in for a nice little treat, but it is, it's, it's so cool. Um, yeah. And a lot of people bring their families, parents are there and, uh, it's fun to just kind of sit back and watch it you know, kind of all play out. Yeah. It's a it's a special uh, part of our tradition in our community, yeah. or naval aviation at large. I'd say. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it could totally so. flip. You know what's going to happen. Like obviously where you're going to live, but also, you know, you might show up to your patching party and and you don't know where you're going, what you're going to do when you get there, and then all of a sudden, hey, you're staying here. And you deploy next week. So you better, you know, move all your stuff out of your apartment into a storage unit because yeah. you, you're you going back to do FCLPs to go back oh, yeah. on the boat for, you know, nine months. It's like, holy yeah. cow. And then and then your buddy who you went through all the flight school with is, uh, you know, hey, you've got a month. You're going to move to California and you're not going to deploy for two two years, you know. Yeah. So oh, that's crazy. Get surf on. <laughs> like. Yeah. You have no yeah. idea what's going to come hit you. Oftentimes you'll know the options 
but uh, you won't know until uh, at patching party exactly what what's about to unfold. To yeah, yeah. But that's part of the excitement. Yeah, you know that reminds me of um, my brother. My brother recently started this um, this new job, and he he had to do a, a night shift uh, rotation, and he he was a growler pilot in the Navy and just got out. And, uh, and I think one of his coworkers was, was, you know, you know, like basically saying it's a crazy schedule, like, you know, flipping, flipping things backwards and, and be on a night shift and, um, sorry, sorry, you're, you're having to go through all this volatility in your schedule. And my brother laughed and was like, this is the, the most standard my schedule's ever been <laughs> in my <laughs> professional life. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I, I, I was in Japan for three years and like at sea for, you know, eight months of those, you know, each year for those three years. And, you know, your schedule's like constantly crazy on the ship. Anyway, I thought that was funny. Just kind of encapsulated how chaotic our lives are. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's you gotta embrace it. Yeah. You embrace it. And you know, the beautiful thing is when you look back, you can laugh. Um, yeah. and just be like, man, I can't believe we did that, but it was, you know, looking back, it was fun. And maybe sometimes in the moment it wasn't so much fun, but, uh, it was, I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's see what else I, uh, like I said, I got, I got recurrent. That was really cool. That also bought me, I talked about how I, I left the ship, um, I guess Saturday night and then came back on Sunday. That was another cool corollary of having been uh recurrent on Saturday. Um I was able to go home and sleep in my own bed for for Saturday night and then uh do that that long run on Sunday, 16 miles and then and then hop back in the plane and come back for we were basically a turning spare, so um we have to have a bunch of planes available for the students. At that point we were kind of down to the last few students finishing up and uh and then we had to have an extra plane available so basically we just came in took a night trap sat on deck they ended up not needing us and then we uh we launched back off and uh we're officially home and done with the ford cq uh on sunday night so holy cow oh i wanted to talk about the um unique aspects of of the ford compared to other aircraft carriers so um, we talked about Ford being the first of its class, the Ford class. That's a new class of carriers. And um, a couple of things that are really interesting from the pilot perspective. Uh, the So it's a three-wire three wire boat instead of um, – most boats are four wires, not all of them. Uh, but, but it's a three-wire boat, and it has a different system. Um, so electromagnetic uh, system for the gear and the cats both, believe – is that correct? I know for the catapult, for the arresting gear, I'm not sure because I've actually never been below deck to check it out. Yeah. Um, so. I actually hadn't been in the gear room either on, on the Ford, just in the Nimitz yeah. class carriers. But, um, but yeah, it is a it is a different system. I, I just uh, am not exactly sure if it's electromagnetic, electromagnetic as well. But, yeah, the catapults are definitely electromagnetic. And I didn't, I didn't feel – Everybody always talks about how uh, different it feels to trap and uh, catapult off of the Ford, but 
it kind of just felt like a normal trap and catapult to me. Maybe a little more aggressive on the first half of the stroke on the catapult because it gets you. I know it's designed to get you up to your end speed, so like roughly 150 miles an hour ish. Um, yeah. 130 knots, um, and it does that quicker than yeah. a Nimitz class like yeah. a steam a steam catapult. So I think it's a yeah. a faster acceleration, and then a lot of people get unnerved by the fact that it slows down towards the end and yeah. fine tunes your speed, but I didn't really notice it. Yeah. I, I personally, I could, I, I could kind of tell the difference. Um, but it was never unnerving because I just did a little quick look down and I saw like triple digits and I felt okay. Yeah. The one thing I did pick up on is, so when you catch the wire, there's this thing called payout, which pretty much means how far the wire allows you to continue on down the landing area. Um, it felt like the cable would then pull the aircraft back. And oh, instead really? of just like roll out and stop, there was a little bit of a... So that's just one thing huh. I, I, I kind of picked it either, up on. Yeah. Yeah. We, but, we were struggling because the... Um, you know, sometimes different wires will, will, um, the system will, will go down for whatever reason while they have to fix it because it's mm -hmm. they're all, uh, independent systems for the different wires. So if you catch the one wire that engages the one wire battery, um, but if that breaks, you can still use the two and the three wires. Um, and what we were dealing with is that, uh, you know, the, the two and the three wires would go down. So they would have to strip them so there was no wire run on the deck. It was just uh, for the two and the three, it was just the one wire. And the one wire, they're, they're num numbered one through three starting from the furthest aft or, or back uh, in the landing area. So the one wires are the closest to the back of the ship. And then the two's in the middle, the three's furthest forward. And so it's really uncomfortable if you only have the one wire because then you're basically, you're having to fly lower to catch, which is transparent to the the pilot in the plane because all that geometry is handled um, from the platform where we're standing as landing signals officers will change the uh, what we're targeting so normally you'll be targeting the two wires so if you uh, are flying on glide slope and you're seeing that centered ball it's going to make sure your your hook catches the two wire uh, assuming you're doing all, all the things correctly however if you're doing just the one wire we're having to target on top of the one as we call it so we basically lower all that. So you're still seeing the same thing in the aircraft, but it's driving you to lower. So you have less distance between your hook and the back of the ship or the ramp as it's called. Yeah. Um, in addition, we, we were having, normally it's a three and a half degree glide slope um, yep. as you're, you're trucking down, flying that lens. We were doing uh, a four degree glide slope for most of CQ, uh, oh, which wow. again is transparent to the aircraft because they don't, all they see is whether the ball's centered or not. Um, but it basically drives them at a steeper angle, which buys you more distance from that hook to, to ramp. So there's, it's, it's kind of a steeper trajectory and a harder hit, but it's more uh, safety margin to, to get them over the back of the boat. So it's interesting and, and kind of uncomfortable for most of <laughs> the carrier qualifications because that's what we're yeah. going to do. Yeah. Yeah, Did you guys notice was... that in the plane? Because like, 
we oh, would give you low, I, like like hey at the at the 90 you're low you know basically as you're coming around the turn they would be flying the, the numbers that they're supposed to be flying but they're low for that new glide slope yeah um, it was definitely a different sight pitcher it was it was for yeah. sure a different sight pitcher and just the feel of like our rated descent was um it was pretty transparent that we were coming down a little bit harder um, yeah the students probably have no idea <laughs> oh they have zero clue they have but zero yeah, idea over there in the right like well we're like, like this is gonna hurt <laughs> <laughs> yep but yeah it Getting was a little shorter with every trap yeah <laughs> but yeah i actually had the uh the honor of flying out one of the pieces uh one of the components that helped fix the three wire so, oh really yeah yeah well i appreciate so, you because i i definitely yeah. caught the three wire during my it takes my a team <laughs> react yeah. yeah i also had a couple a, bolters as i i like to do oh yeah i had i think i had two or three which uh yep. you know i yep. took it with a i think of pride <laughs> yeah yeah hooks I, get bolters <laughs> specifically one of those i i was you know fighting fighting pretty hard down the chute and then at the very end, there's some crucial last seconds of offline um, at the very end where if you just give up, then the plane will just fall out of the sky. Uh, if you if you start to come down and you don't add the power, and mm -hmm. um, that's just an unsafe habit to get into. And so um, I was I was fighting not to be lazy, and I was like, I need to give us more power, but I don't want to because I don't want to bolter. And I was like, nope, I'm not going to be that scumbag that just like, <laughs> you know, brings it back to idle and just drops into the one and and you know does something unsafe so goes down little, the little power <laughs> and then i got to go flying again <laughs> oh yeah it was a little too much power and you'll but see yeah. that and you'll see that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah man that was that was fun um it was anything else about the boat oh interesting again i guess uh wouldn't really make a difference to somebody who's never been on an aircraft carrier, but most, most normal, uh, aircraft carriers, I say normal, I mean, Nimitz class, which is all the other aircraft carriers, um, is they have uh, communal bathrooms or heads as they're called on ships. Um, but on the Ford, you've got bathrooms in your staterooms or your, or your rooms on the ship. And, uh, I thought that was really fascinating that, uh, I mean, it's it's very convenient, so you don't have to walk down the hall to to go shower or use the restroom. But I can only imagine how terrible that would be if um, you know your your toilet breaks or backs up or clogs. something in your room. Yeah, your clogs, and you're having to deal with that like in your living space. Um, like ships are nasty, really nasty places, and having a bathroom in your in your room is a recipe for disaster in my mind. It has its pros, but it has its cons. Yeah. It's also an entirely different layout on the ship compared to normal. All the other carriers are, you know, really easy to find your way around. If you, if you know one, if you're familiar with the Ike, the Eisenhower, like you know, how to get around the bush, for example. Yeah. But uh, not the Ford. Very easy to get lost on the Ford. Yeah, I've been lucky yeah. enough that I haven't had to go blow a duck yet. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I want to keep it that way, to be honest. <laughs> yep. But. The only other thing I want to mention about the uh, the differences in the carriers is how how far aft the island. The island is what they call the, the tower 
that is like the control tower. It's where the the air boss and the mini boss are the the two um, officers who are basically in charge of of everything that goes on in the in the the air around the carrier and on the flight deck, and they've got like a, a big uh, 180 degree view um, facing like the the flight deck up in that that tower in the island, and uh, that whole structure is significantly further back on the Ford as compared to other carriers. So that was very eerie to, to see uh, both from the air and from just the platform. Uh, when yeah, we site picture-wise. Yeah. 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 It's very wonky. Yeah. But it certainly makes the deck a lot bigger, which is nice yeah. when taxiing around. So. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. more room for aircraft to fit um, forward of that get into the catapults and stuff so that's kind of cool sweet yeah is there anything else i think we hit all the the, the big stuff yeah yeah that was good i like that yeah. awesome um well i hate to do this again but um like last time we we kind of cut it short after the wallops wrap up i would say <laughs> yeah. we're at an hour and 10 minutes it's probably a good stop spot and then we can um save the stuff we've got we've got plenty of other stuff uh, content for y'all but um there's no rush to get through it um and uh, we've already gone 10 minutes over the hour so um does that sound good to you pat just yeah 100 percent. the rest I'm of our totally talking points to next week awesome yeah <laughs> yeah i'm just happy that we're able to uh to get here and record today um sweet do we have any saved rounds anything about our weekly wrap up uh the past three weeks that we glossed over a little too fast or or forgot to mention or anything no no just with myself is you know continue to remind myself to trust in the training listen to your body and not push anything that you know that would possibly hinder stuff down the road so uh yeah uh, uh, Sweet. Yeah, yeah. yeah good i think that hits the nail on the head for me as well just uh just continuing to be cautious and um I, I i'm very confident that at this stage i i could i could go race this weekend yeah, and that's how i feel uh, as well and i would be able to finish i i wouldn't be able to to do the the performance that that i would like to do but I've got another seven weeks to kind of fine tune that. Um, so I'm feeling really confident and, and at peace with where I'm at in my training program yeah. and uh, yeah. just making sure that I don't uh, get overzealous and take a step backwards by accident. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, kind of to add to that statement of, you know, I have seven weeks, dude, you have like 40 years you right yep. right yep. like the Very seven true. weeks uh you know get ready for the race and be race ready and you maybe you won't hit the time you had anticipated but you're a couple of minutes behind it but ultimately like it's much even yep. it's you know look long right so yeah um, that's oh, kind of what i've been telling myself i wanted to um give an update on my what i'm trying to plan for for my um iron man time Oh, I, nice. I mentioned that I wanted the PR, um, which for me is 11, 30, 11 hours, 30 minutes. 
um, for the, the Ironman distance. And I've got the, I've got this handy, handy triathlon, uh, like calculating app for times. And, uh, if I can go just looking at what I'm kind of expecting based on my training right now, if I can average a, a minute, 28 seconds per hundred yards for the swim, which is totally doable. And I've been averaging that for like uh, two mile efforts recently in the pool. Um, so another half mile there uh, or 0.4 is totally doable on race day, um, especially in a wetsuit. Uh, I can do that. Oh, yeah. That's going to put me at a, an hour and two minutes on the swim. Um, the bike, if I can average 19 miles an hour, which I definitely think I can do on that really fast course with how my training's been going. That'll put me at five hours, 53, almost 54 minutes. And then if I can average a 930 pace on the marathon, which I think is totally doable, especially given Absolutely. that I, I was chilling with a 845 pace on that 16 miles last week. Um, and I always run really well after biking. Um, obviously, legs are tired, but but I, I really have a lot of trust in myself for that. That'll put me at a four hour and nine minute marathon and a total race time of 11.24. So, so right there would be a PR, um, given some, some generous uh, transitions from the, the swim to the bike and the bike to the run, uh, yeah. that hopefully I will, I'll shave off a couple minutes of that. But um, I'd, I'd like to stick to that except I would like to maybe push the marathon a little faster, uh, see what hmm. I can do. Maybe aim for like a nine minute average. Yeah, there it I is. That, which would put me at an 11, 11. So that's a good number. Cool. Yep. I like that number. <laughs> Make a wish. Yep. It's got a nice, nice ring to <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, yeah. Cool. But yeah, I, 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 I wanted to uh, share my excitement, just daydreaming about, uh, paces for race day yeah yeah i've certainly been thinking um kind of contemplating what i want to go after go for as well so um i think yeah. the 10k will be the try and true moment to kind of set the set the tone for what i decide to go after on race day but yeah yeah we'll see oh did you did you want to share about that race that you got uh added to your calendar or are you saving that? Which the one you, the one you texted me about, uh, Bob and I. I don't want to spill the beans if if you're trying to keep that secret. Oh yeah, I would love to. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it, but uh, yeah, this past week I uh, found out I got into. Is it the hundred and twenty fourth? Or 123rd yep. Boston Marathon. So uh, as long as I have no conflicts with work schedule, uh, April 17th, I hope to be tying up the laces and um, running my second Boston Marathon. So Dude, I'm pretty stoked. Bucket list items right there. Yeah, it is. And it, it happened. And uh, there's quite a few runners from this area of the Hampton Roads that are all going up there. So yeah, I'm uh I'm super stoked. Um, Dude, I'm so excited yeah, for you. Yeah, I I think I just got done with the flight and I was like checking my email about something and I see a BAA email. I'm like, <laughs> no way. So yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm that's I'm, incredible. I'm very thankful to you know 
be able to go up there and experience that again. And uh, yeah, so cool. Yeah, I appreciate you mentioning that. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I, uh, I wasn't sure if you're you're keeping that as a surprise or something. So that's why I was so cryptic about it. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, we definitely found some saved rounds there. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really good stuff. Uh, yeah. Did we have fun today? Awesome. Dude, I had a blast. Um, yeah. I, it was so much fun. So how about yourself? Yeah. I love talking about the boat. Hopefully that was uh, entertaining for, for people uh, in that we hopefully transitioned or uh, translated the uh, the lingo from uh, Navy uh, boat speak to um, civilian folks who aren't as familiar with with that stuff, but uh, yeah. but yeah, thanks for entertaining our uh, our talk about the Ford and all the uh, shenanigans out there. Uh, yeah, so. sweet. All right. Well, uh, with that, we'll go ahead and sign off, finishing up our episode seven of the Crestor Podcast. Thanks you guys so much for listening. Bye bye. See you guys. <laughs>